What Would You Risk Dying For? And For Whom? is perhaps the most profound question a person can ask themselves. The vast majority of people in modern society are able to pass their whole lives without ever having to answer that question, which is both an enormous blessing and a significant loss. Sebastian Younger, from his book Tribe, on Homecoming and Belonging. He's kind of crazy, she's a little insane. Keeping energy really messes with his brain. One is divorced, the other's husband is dead. That's why it's so messed up in the head. It's a Silver Linings Playcast. Oh yeah. Hello everybody and welcome to the Silver Linings Playcast. As far as I know, it's the only podcast solely devoted to talking about Silver Linings Playbook, the movie, and the Silver Linings Playbook, the book. Last week I told you that we had a replay of the previous episode because I was working on some things and I was very busy. And I actually, up until just a few hours ago, thought that I would be doing the same thing today. However, I'm going to do something a little bit different that hasn't been done in any of the episodes, and I'm just going to talk about myself a little bit. If anybody happens to ever have listened to this podcast, and even multiple episodes, and not be one of my personal friends who knows me in real life, you might actually know very little about me. I'm not going to go over um, like a a biography. We might actually do more in-depth thing or interview myself. But one of the announcements that I was going to make last week has gotten to the point where I can make it. So I will do that in just a second. But I, I, oh man, this week, this week should have been basically the best week of my career. This week should have been what my comedy career, my performing career, my writing career has been leading to. For over a decade now, I got a very cool opportunity coming up. And yet, I also am so broken this week. There, we'll talk about several of these things. Let me talk about the good. This afternoon, I signed a contract that I have been waiting on. We got uh, word a couple weeks ago. I talked to an agent um, about a month ago who said he was going to hook me up with, I am going to be filming a dry bar comedy special in a month from yesterday or two days ago. Yeah, I just, we signed the paperwork. We, uh, uh, the, the agent had set up the booking and was going to make arrangements. I just, I didn't uh, want to make the announcement until the paperwork had been absolutely signed because he was just in charge of booking me. The company had not contacted me with any information or paperwork, but all the uh, T's are crossed, I's are dotted. He said that backwards and they received mine. I received theirs. And so on September 17th in Provo, Utah, I will be filming a half hour dry bar comedy special from what I've heard they record them twice and then they edit the best parts of those together and then they will be available it will be available on their website uh don't go there now wait until I have filmed it 
Um, and then you'll probably have to wait even longer because it could take months or even uh, years, technically, to get it released. But I should have some better idea about that once the, the sets are actually in the can. Um, and this is a really big thing because when I entered comedy, all I, I wanted to do, my goal was late night or to record an album or to record a video special. What, what I wanted was some type of record, some type of documentation that if I ever went into a different career or stopped doing comedy, that I could be able to sort of say to my coworkers or, um, relatives, friends, just people that never got to know me as a comedian or see me as a comedian. I wanted to be able to point to a product, a tangible record that I had done comedy at a professional level. Sure. I could take pictures of myself on stage, but let's be honest. If you know anything about comedy, anybody that has done one open mic probably has more pictures of themselves on stage looking like a comedian. The, the longer you do comedy, the less you feel the need to document every moment like that. You know, I could, I've, I've got so much footage of myself doing sets and I have great sets. Uh, uh, I'm not saying that they're great comedy, but I'm saying they're great quality recorded sets from different festivals and stuff. A couple really short TV spots on some, you know, rather, uh, smaller shows, but still very cool. I'm very excited about that. Uh, you know, if, if you don't know about me, I have comedy, uh, I have a comedy set that's on Amazon on the Atlanta comedy festival volume two, uh, digital program. I was on laughs on Fox on, uh, on the channel Fox. It, it, it had a, a good run. It was a little controversial in the industry. Um, but for comics like us, it was a really fun opportunity to see ourselves on TV. And then that was on Hulu for a while. And then most recently, a couple of years ago, I was on the Circle Network, which might be a small channel to y'all, but it was probably the coolest thing in the world to me because what Circle Channel is, is the TV station of the Grand Old Opry. And if you know anything about me, you know I love country music. I love classic country music. I love country music history. So it didn't matter how big or small the market was of that. It was precisely the comedy market that I specifically wanted because I've always, you know, been trying to sort of be a blue collar comic. To that's that's my demographic that I wanted to appeal to and entertain, and I did. So right now. Uh, dry bar comedy specials are one of the biggest reach comedy products there is. You definitely have the comedy on Netflix and all the, and Amazon is where a lot of comics are releasing their own specials. Um, the, uh, the thing, so, but the thing about dry bar is they're, they're, uh, online only, but they are, doing really, really well at getting views. There are people with comics with millions of views on their comedy clips on YouTube, millions of views on their, of their comedy specials. So even though this is, seems like a smaller 
unknown, um, you know, comedy platform. It's solely devoted to platform. It, here's the thing. It's, it's billed as clean comedy. That might be a little off-putting to some people, but it's sort of like being on America's Got Talent or something. The reason they're doing that is so that it can have the largest viewership it possibly can. They can put clips on YouTube and they're family friendly. You can watch them as kids. You can watch them as adults. So it might not be the, um, you know, the fan base that somebody that wants to the like late night down and dirty, uh, New York club atmosphere comics. But for someone like me, it will hopefully be the largest amount of exposure I have ever had. Also, the credit is very significant in helping, uh, for bookings and, and live shows. So if I get back into doing that, um, hopefully it will help really uh, make that, that portion of my career just increase a bunch. Anyway, I am very excited about that, and I'm very grateful, and we'll talk about how that's going as it goes on. Uh, let's see today, you know, we record these on Wednesday, but we release them on a Thursday. It's the 19th of August, 2021. This week has been quite a week in the news. I know a lot of people have had a hard time the last year and a half. Uh, this, this week and part of the reason why I just needed to come and vent on my own podcast because I can do this. This is my platform that nobody listens to. (laughs) For those of you that don't know in 2008 and 2009, I deployed to the country of Afghanistan with the United States army. And I served as an embedded training team member. And our job was to train the local police and army so that they would be prepared to defend their own country. And they would be prepared to establish you know, the, uh, a rule of law in, in their communities, their provinces and their districts. There's probably a whole bunch of other places online in my writing and my act, uh, talks and interviews where I go over the specifics of, you know, what, what we did, what we were hoping to accomplish. Uh, And I loved doing the mission that I did that way. I did. I didn't... I joined because I... The military because I wanted to help people. And... The mission that I went on gave me an opportunity to feel like I was able to help in the way that I thought was the most effective... There is a very famous military figure. Most people know him from the movie, the Lawrence of Arabia. Um, 
he was basically the person that founded all of the um, T.E. Lawrence. I, I didn't say his name. Thomas Edward Lawrence. And he was a, uh, a British uh, army officer. And he really basically created the whole uh, basis for Im- embedded training missions. And he, you know, he studied indigenous cultures and he was the one that basically said, you're not going to, um, you know, be able to fight these, these insurgent forces with conventional military tactics. You have to go and learn the cultures and you have to train them and you have to get them to trust you and you have to build them so that they can stand in their own and you have to get them so that their communities trust themselves. This week, um, if you listen to this without context of history, uh, the the U.S. basically finished or or began the final execution of their drawdown of forces in Afghanistan, and the Taliban basically took over the whole country. We here's the thing. This is why it's a very sort of like confusing emotional thing that's given veterans a lot of anger and fear and sadness and, and like we can't even understand it. Um, there's a part of us that is not surprised. There is a part of us that knew this was the most likely course of action all along. I was there in 2000. Eight, I arrived and I left in April, in May of 2009, April of 2009. And I was a young man and I hoped that what we did would help. It would be good. What we did, some of the things that we, we did, our team did, we would go take food to the different tribal villages we built some of the schools in the districts that we were working in in southern Afghanistan. We trained the police forces in the districts. And I really felt very helpful at the time. Now, I have had my own personal issues with stories of things that have happened specifically over the course of my deployment. Every soldier, sailor, airman, and marine has. Every service member, every contractor, every NGO, uh, every, you know, the uh, other government agencies. I am not alone in having personal bad experiences while I was there. I had a lot of good experiences too. But a lot of the things I got into for comedy and stuff were dealing with things that happened while I was there that I was not able to process or talk about to other people. Watching in almost real time this weekend and the beginning of this week 
something that comes as less of a surprise to me than to, and I'm blown away. You will not hear any political or no political opinion or tactical commentary on this. I simply am saying uh, I knew this was going to happen, and I'm not saying I'm even special. Anybody that was watching the takeover months ago, basically the Taliban's campaign, which started far prior to this week. It's just that this week is the week that everybody knows about it because the capital fell. Uh, the, the Taliban raised their flag on Kabul, the capital. I woke up to messages on Monday, I believe it was. I don't even know. I've lost track of time. Friends asking if I was feeling okay. Uh, Veteran buddies have reached out to me. I've reached out to veteran buddies. I've seen my friends on social media. My veteran friends. My friends that have been there. I don't even know. I've never felt as confused as I ever have in my whole life. And part of that is that I'm older now. I'm lucky that I've had 10 years to try to process the things that happened and the way things were going. And part of me just feels like, uh, this is just when it happened, but this could have been any time. Could have been the future. Could have been earlier. Definitely disappointed. Disappointment would be an understatement. Um, I'm just so in shock that that this week. I'm just saying. I don't know. I I didn't. You know, if you had looked at a calendar and said, what is, what is going to be the week it happens? And so here's, here's why. It's because I don't know how to feel about it. I know it doesn't feel good. I know it feels bad in every single way watching it. And I don't feel like there's any justified feelings. I don't feel like I'm connected to it. I don't feel like I deserve to feel anything about it. I don't feel... Like, it's been recent enough. I've been out of the army for almost, um, I think, five years now. Almost half a decade. I've been gone from that country for over a decade. I haven't been there in 12 years, 11 years. I have guilt for feeling anything. I have sadness watching it. I love the country. I love the people and I love my time there. I feel anger because I feel like things could have been done. I hear a lot of people make the same very generic statements of we never should have been there. We never could have done anything. I don't know. But I do know for a fact that most of them do not know either. Because from where I was, 
where I stood, um, things could have worked. There's a lot of problems. Guess what? I am even going to tie this into my favorite movie. Two weeks ago, I had my good friend, one of my best friends, Nick Cassano on here, and we were talking about some of my other favorite movies. I love the movie Up in the Air. I love the movie Silver Linings Playbook. And what do these movies have in common? They, they have, we talked about the cinematic similarities between them, but one of the things we talked about and didn't get as far into as I wanted was the fact that both of those movies have male characters that narratively um, have have character arcs that are often played out by the female leads of films. And so I think that's one of the things that made them feel like sort of refreshing and interesting movies was because that you were watching these films where basically they subverted your expectation of, oh, the man is going to lead the romantic story line and the woman will sort of be the object of his affection. And both of these movies have very flawed male protagonists who are very much uh, pursued by the women, which is what sort of makes them narratively unique movies. But what I think, why I think they resonate, they're both movies that you might find under romantic comedy or drama uh, genre listings. But I, I feel like there's um, a lot of men really like these films. Maybe not as much as me, but when I talk to them about, talk to other men about them, uh, dudes really like they feel very strongly about I get that I, I think more so than a lot of other movies that would fall under those genres and why is that it's because the male protagonists are very vulnerable characters they have breakdowns they're sad they're angry they do something in a fantastical way in a way that men can watch safely from the position of an audience member to a film. And they can watch men express their feelings. Now, they don't do it perfectly. That's how a story arc works. That's why it's a movie, because there is conflict. Because these characters aren't able... If these characters got exactly what they needed at the beginning of the movie... There would be no struggle, there would be no journey, and there would be no film. So while there is romantic storylines that are going on, there are uh, business storylines going on and up in the air, what we see is male characters that look outwardly like very strong, alpha male, cool characters fall apart and put themselves together again do they put themselves together as strongly as they were that will be the topic of a whole different discussion what 
the thing that I think draws people like me to these films is that we live in a culture where men are expected to be a certain way. We are not only not rewarded for being emotional uh, people, which everyone is. Men are emotional. Women are emotional. Humans have emotions. What we do differently, and this is a very big generalization because individuals are always able to be their own people and nobody has to adhere to the societal expectations. But society definitely makes it difficult for us to break out of our expected roles and to behave in the ways that we want to. And we get a lot of our guidance either from actual mentors in our lives, which can be parents, teachers, friends. Um, it doesn't technically have to be older people. It's usually just more experienced people. It's people that can, uh, people that can share their experiences and how they dealt with things and basically save us the time of maybe some of the trial and error. Not always, but they're able to offer insight. Anybody can learn more. Um, this is, this is a concept that I sort of have, but I've never been able to articulate clearly. I need to sort of write this down at some point, but it's sort of like you can have vertical growth and by vertical growth, what I mean is who you are as a person, who you are in a moment. Okay. So let me break this down for you right now. Uh, and, and I'm not talking moment by moment, second by second. Let's think, think of it as larger, like phases of my life, like years, right? Let's say in this year, the only way I can't grow is more than a year older. Now what I can do is I can try to fill that year with as much growth as I can. I can read books about different topics. I can give myself, read history, geography, teach myself a new language. I can grow myself vertically and there's no limit except your personal limitations to how much information you can absorb over time, how much work you can put into yourself. It's like going to the gym and working on your, your muscle mass. You can build as much as your body will physically allow you to, and you can usually always push, just keep pushing yourself. There's no philosophical limit on that. Horizontal growth. Horizontal growth is what I consider time. It's not specific experience, but it's the concept of experience. I can be 20 years old, 10 years old to 20 years old. And, and people can have more life defining experiences than I had in their journey from 10 to 20 years old. Right. 
They can fit in more horizontal growth moments. They could do more traumatic things. They could do more heroic things. So that vertical growth is really more important and driven by your, your own resolve and your circumstances. Horizontal growth is more passive and it happens consistently. So what I'm talking about is basically you can read back. We can, we can only write history in real time. That's the best way to describe it. Okay. You let's assume that there is only one book that has all the history in the world and one book that has all the geography in the world. You can read all the geography you want. The faster you read geography, the faster you will know about every place on the planet. That's up to you. You can read all the past history, but you'll never know all the history. Because history is always happening, and it happens at its own pace in real time. You can only learn current events as they're happening. So what is this application to the films I love and the life I'm living? Part of me doesn't quite know. Part of me has not spent my horizontal time filling myself with all the vertical growth. And, and in this specific instance, I'm talking about uh, emotional intelligence, self-awareness, uh, regular intelligence. These are things I've worked on a lot. I do feel like I'm, um, I've done a, a good job. I'm not patting myself on the back. I'm just saying I've, I've put in a fair effort for the amount of time I've, li- I've been alive trying to learn how to be good in those aspects. Studying philosophy, studying mythology, uh, world religions, science, history. I love those things. What I can't do, though, is push myself through cycles of feeling any faster than I'm now existing in. I don't know if this is going to make any sense to anybody, but so like I can now read everything I can about relationships. I could read a million self-help books on relationships and try to get better at that. And that would be my vertical growth, my understanding of things, but I can't get any more, horizontal growth or experience any faster than if I was to be in new relationships and put myself through the cycles of those of, of falling in love, complacency, uh, falling in contempt, breaking up. I could, you know, you could like rush through a notional one in a 24 hour period. People have definitely spent, short amounts of time where everything has felt compressed. But what I'm saying is in a bigger sense, um, there are outlier people 
that are able to to go through a cycle like that faster than others but but me being sort of an average man maybe even a a slightly below average in in experience or aptitude in these aspects of life uh i cannot gain enough to give me the insight i need right now now i'm not talking about romantic relationships right now i mean i was i was referring to them as an example because that is what more people can understand but this is all in relation to my feelings on i don't know how to process my feelings about the history and what is happening and what i'm seeing and how i'm supposed to feel and all those things the best thing i've had one of my friends who is an air force veteran from the iraq war contacted me earlier this week just to check on me great guy I am going to go visit him in North Carolina soon. I hope Um, I've known him for years. I met him early on in comedy. Super good dude. And he just reached out and in one of the most effective ways veterans can. Um, I've had different people reach out and I appreciate each of them for what they've done it in a very generalized sense it does feel good to feel the concern of people in general about how i feel and i'm a lucky person that i can sort of process that and say even though maybe you don't exactly know how to talk in the way i need to hear things right now um you're trying and i'm able to appreciate it respect it for what it's worth my my buddy from the air force uh he didn't talk about the news he just asked me i was doing okay and sort of in a cryptic way we both knew what we were talking about and And he went through it. He went through it when, um, you know, we basically uh, left Iraq and watched. And then ISIS took over and was more brutal than the original regime. And here's the thing. We're not ever going to be totally done. With either of these countries, if anybody reads the specific orders and understands how these things going, the major military forces will depart, and um, you know, publicly approved combat operations have ceased. That does not mean that the same people will still remain in these countries not not exactly i'm not trying to be a conspiracy theorist and i'm not trying to be like irresponsible and in what i say about this just the way anybody knows it works um we count the amount of people that are military stationed in foreign countries all the time uh there is less accountability for contractors 
and they basically do the same job sometimes, depending on what contractor companies, who they are, what they're doing. So we're not done, done, but, you know, we're technically done. But that's not the point. It doesn't matter. And we may be done. Here's the thing. We may be done. I don't know. There's, there was a lot of popularity for the idea of bringing all the military back. And, and I think people are sort of behind that. And I think people are largely like, it's like, this was going to happen. I might just be too young to know how to feel. And it might just be too fresh to know how to feel instinctually you know i have the feuding right and left sides of my brain and i have my emotion and my intellect that are battling right now and the part of me that's just a very primitive sort of uncultured man just as angry and sad and just like we should go back and we should fix it they can't undo all the things that we did i just terrified for my friends i sad for the people i'm and then there's the intellectual part of me that's saying, come on, man, you know, you know better than those feelings, but you can't logic away your feelings. You can logic your feelings into compartmentalization, but you can't just convince yourself out of feeling things. So I don't know. I don't know what I feel. And maybe that's not important right now. Let's look at my favorite character. I I recently reread the book, the Silver Linings Playbook which is really different in a lot of ways thematically than the film. The film definitely captures everything that is in the book, but the book has so much more. The book has, um, Pat definitely has like a type of post-traumatic stress disorder that he suffers from the violence that sent him to the institution that catalyzed the events of this whole story and stuff in the book are far more traumatic for him to the point that he can't remember basically the last five years of his life. It's a blur. He feels like he was locked up for a matter of weeks and he gets out to find it was years and he looks around and he does not recognize uh, the the world that he's living in. He does not recognize the people in his life. He knows he knows the main characters, but it's like he didn't know he didn't know his brother was dating. He didn't know his brother was gonna get married because he'd been in a relationship for a long time. He thought he, you know he did not. And there's elements of that that I've had over the last. 10 years 
where I have not known because some of the things that happened at the end of my tour that I sort of all but blank out until I'm in a moment where those, those feelings and memories are forgotten and something will trigger a reminder straight to the part of my brain that, that contains them. They will come back hard. They come back in ways that are very unsettling and concern the people around me sometimes. I have not sat down to read up on absolutely everything and everyone's hot take and the predictions and the fallout and the opinions. I hope I, I feel like what I am probably going to do because I know me and I have experience with me. I'll probably ignore my feelings on this and bury them. Maybe I'll get a good cry in a couple months for a day. Then let it go. That's what I'm hoping for now because I'm stuck between feeling anything. The other day I was so sad, but it's like I couldn't even let myself be sad. And so I just felt weird because I had this bottled up emotion that I didn't understand inside me. Also, though, uh, I have like a billion other things going on in my life that are more immediate and affect me more directly, and I have not been able to think or process about them. Many of them are good and bad. This is an insane point because there is so much happening right now in work and life. Uh... And in some ways, I wonder if I am not just trying to focus on bearing my feelings about world events to keep from dealing with all these other events, too. Wouldn't that be convenient? I hopefully will have even more announcements of really good things. Career-wise for the podcast, I said that I wanted to make several announcements, and I, I was excited to be able to make the one this week. Uh, there's some more that are still sort of like, mm, almost, but just not, not confirmed yet. And I want to say anything until everything is confirmed. So anyway, that's, that's good. This was almost the length of an episode, probably no information and probably the least worth listening to episode there's ever been. But if we get any of the things that are going to go on in the next couple of weeks, then the next couple of weeks will be super worth listening to. Anyway, microphone, imaginary audience, me through my headphones. Thank you guys for humoring me this week. Uh, we'll be back next week. We will. This is episode 60. 59 weeks I've been doing this over a year. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Silver Linings Playcast. 
the only podcast, as far as we know, solely devoted to talking about Silver Linings Playbook, the movie, and the Silver Linings Playbook, the book. Be good to one another. Love the people in your life. Do good things and be the best people you can. And from the book, uh, remember to work on being kind and not necessarily being right. Until next week, we'll see you down the road and Excelsior. He's kind of crazy. She's a little insane. Keeping energy really messes with his brain. One is divorced. The other's husband is dead. That's why it's so messed up in the head. It's a silver linings play cast. Oh, yeah.